Welcome. I'm Hala Abdelnour, the presenter of Facilitate This, the Group Work Center podcast where we talk with facilitators about their craft with a focus on a different topic each episode. Facilitate This is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and goes out to listeners on the lands of First Nations people across Australia and beyond. We get moving this week with free dance instructor and group work facilitator Henry Folks. He tells Jim why we should shake it out and work with our bodies as a core part of group work. Henry, it's lovely to have you here with us today because I think you do bring something, if not unique, then something that not a lot of facilitators do. And I wanted you to tell us that story about why you do this and where it takes us in our groups. Sure, Jim. Firstly, lovely to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Maybe a bit of context might support of, uh, I guess, my background of studying engineering and business. I got into facilitation as a passion, something I just realized I loved working with groups and got fascinated about group dynamics. And, and then through that, and really my struggle with anxiety post-uni when I wanted to develop as a facilitator and very, think, you know, really intellectual in regards to how I tried to think my way through everything or overthink. And I remember one of my mentors said to me, I said, how can I really develop as a facilitator? And she said, well, to get more in contact with your body. And, and I was like, oh, okay, how do I do that? And so she sent me off to a couple of different dance movement practices. And so for me, that's been such an interesting journey that, as a facilitator, kind of really being in contact with my physical body as one such a great resource to be able to get present to whatever I'm feeling because, you know, our mind is always wandering into the future, thinking about fantasizing or dreaming about the future or fearfully thinking about the future or getting lost in the past of like hung up on old stories. And our body is always in the present moment. It doesn't move. It can't travel like the mind or or time travel. So for me, being in contact with my body isn't always a necessarily comfortable experience, but it also really helps me to listen to what I need as a facilitator to be able to like, you know, use my breath just like in yoga as an embodiment practice to ground, to calm myself, to listen to, well, I'm feeling agitated or these feelings in my body and also to be able to just notice how's my posture, like how am I showing up Um, because it all kind of has a body component, our fear, our nervousness, our anxieties. So for me then the dance, open floor movement practice, the, the kind of the practice is much in the same way as yoga where you're connecting to our physical body. When we say embodiment, it's really connecting to our body or kind of getting to know this physical body that it's not so much separate to our mind or it's we dominate our kind of obsession with the mind and thinking in our culture. And actually our body is such a wise place and and really something that we often don't um, look after well or have a good connection with our body. And so for me, at Open Floor, it's like we use dance and movement as a way of kind of just exploring our connection to our body and our way of getting to know ourselves better, but also a way of releasing anxiety, stress, to be able to connect with ourselves and others in a different way. 
know about you, Jim, but I'm pretty sure you love a good dance. Yeah, and absolutely. And I know for me, it's an incredibly enlivening thing and also a great way of stress relief. When we are so focused on computers these days, we're also just very busy a lot of the time. So you, you feel that tension often in our body, our, our shoulders, our jaws, our backs with the postures. And so for me, movement and dance has, has been such an amazing way of being well and then showing up well as a facilitator. So dance in, in that way, we use in open floor movement practice, we use movement as a way of expression and connecting and, and moving, like getting to know ourselves in different ways and also connecting with ourselves and others in a lot more facilitation stuff, say with group work center, it's, we're using a lot more words. It's a lot more verbal. And then the nonverbal is more the movement. I'm really interested in the blend of both. Like how can we really use our voice to support me and us as facilitators, as well as participants to really be in connection with our bodies as a real resource to help us to show up in a great way with groups. There's a lot in that. A couple of things that resonated for me is we talk in group work about the whole person approach to working in groups and doing facilitation. The notion behind that is that there's nothing of us that we leave behind just because we're in a room or around a space discussing an issue, that those things are coming with us. If we've got deep shit going on in our life, we can't completely compartmentalise that from being in that group and making that decision. That's one way of looking at it. The way I'm hearing it from you is that our bodies, like our emotion, tell us stuff. They feed back to us what's going on for us. They highlight stuff that's happening for us. How can that work for us when we're in groups and we're either making a decision or setting a direction or there for a specific purpose? Just as you're saying that, Jim, it reminds me of how if we just think about in a group something happens which is tense, often what will we do? We'll gasp or we'll... <gasps> So we're kind of naturally kind of regulating with our body by taking in a breath. Our body does naturally adjust and work with us. And in the similar way, you can feel really uncomfortable. And so we might have a tension to want to move our shoulders or to get up. And I know growing up at school, if we're thinking about working well in groups, well, school environments never seemed to really work that well for people who had a lot of energy. It was like, just sit in your chair. And I'd say that that never works because how are you supposed to focus as a kid when you probably need to just go run around for a bit and then come back and focus? And so I'd say as facilitators, it's a similar thing with our groups. If we're just sitting there all day and one, not including movement as a way of enlivening, but helping us to regulate, but also for us as facilitators, being able to have an awareness of our body is such an incredible tool for the instrument. One of the things you said about the whole person approach, like our whole person isn't just our mind and our thoughts and our personas or personalities. Like it is, but those also include our body. Like you notice the posture when you're nervous. You notice the posture when you're excited. Like you think about you're in a performative place. Your chest's probably quite open. You want to be seen. Whereas if you're shy, you may be a bit more hunched in. And, and we can see this in participants. You see where, where are people looking? How, and it can give you a sense. Like you don't know. We never know what's going on for people. But having that kind of sensitivity 
can really open up our awareness as facilitators. But also just to notice like our breath, for example, if we're struggling to breathe, there's probably a lot of people in the group who are too. So just being able to take a pause and to be able to help us to regulate can really support a group to regulate. And this is about reading energy, isn't it? In a room when you're facilitating, it's an important thing for us to be able to do. Having just been through a year of doing a lot of group work online, where does that leave our bodies? How are we positioned online to incorporate any kind of embodiment or movement practice? When we are online and we're just sitting there talking through these screens, it actually, you can't even see people's bodies. So it's even more accentuated that you forget people have these bodies. Sure. And the other thing why it's extra exhausting is that we're trying to suss out how people are doing and what they're going, but we can't even get a sense of their body and they're in their little mute bubble. So there's a lot of challenges around that on Zoom. And I found that one, I taught dance online, community dances throughout the lockdown, which were an incredible tool for us to come together and just move. But also you can feel a real sense of connection to community. So for me as a facilitator where movement isn't the key focus, definitely making moments, taking moments to pause and to actually connect to our bodies, us and the group, supports us all to feel more present. Also, once again, to be aware of energy levels, going for a walk, just shaking it out a bit, putting on a song to dance. But also sometimes it might help to turn your screens off. Like even this, listening to a podcast, I find this a much easier way to digest information sometimes than looking on a screen because I've just got the one audible input, but I'm also still present with my surroundings. So kind of playing with these ways of including more senses than just our visual to be able to include these check-ins of like just noticing how's your breath feel but then also noticing the sounds around us we're in a studio now so there's not many we're in a bit of a fishbowl but still that's an audible new experience that I'm sort of navigating to and then feeling our physical connection like feeling the floor beneath us feeling the sense of weight in our skin, just checking in with how our body's going and maybe including a bit of movement to just stretch or move. I think there have been really key things of just, yeah, waking up the senses, that we're not just this visual focus, that we are this breathing, feeling, sensing organism as a human. When I've seen movement, embodiment, as you call it, used really well in facilitation, I'm thinking it's often around big, Stuff, big decisions, conflict. Does that resonate with you? It's a couple of examples that I've seen, deep democracy approach to facilitation. They will use a shouting match sort of thing for when you've got opposing views and you have to imagine what the opposing view to your position is and shout it out to those on the other side. But you're doing it in a different way than singing it out sitting down. You're actually... It's almost like it's a competition, but it's a fun way of approaching it. That's one example. Yeah, that's a great example. I remember doing a deep democracy training that's based on Annie Mendel's work and and finding that really fascinating. And I think that even saying that, really thinking about how we set up a space and activities where we're not just sitting down listening without just our ears, we're actually giving us a space to listen with our bodies, but also to express with our bodies. 
voice is one way, but also I remember in that, you know, I've got some colleagues who do sociodrama, psychodrama stuff, which really includes more expression. So yeah, conflict can be a great way. But I, I think that one, one of the things, just before I give some examples of my thoughts, it gets me thinking of the other way, which is maybe when it doesn't go so well and you see someone just saying, let's dance, and you can lose a lot of people. And yeah. I think for me, I often haven't. It's taken me a while to link the two worlds of sitting facilitation and embodiment dance because of that scepticism within me, because it can just sound like a quote unquote, bunch of hippies doing your thing. And some people can feel very comfortable in that space. Others really uncomfortable. So I think there's something around this bridge of how do we think a bit more of a whole body approach when we're facilitating things. And I'm just trying to think of some examples, Jim, of like I remember doing something with one of the councils in in Melbourne and we had a big strategic planning decision-making day And it was pretty tense. A lot of people in the room, you kind of can feel yourself getting a bit, you know, stuck in your body, uh, maybe a bit lethargic, tired, which you can be tired from just being part of a pretty intense process. So in that example, I remember putting on a song, but just gently guiding people into some movement and just being a bit silly and modeling that myself, but really trying to include everyone in these really simple ways of let's just walk around. And then get your shoulders going and then get movement going and inviting a little bit of a risk. And it really changed the tone of that day because we got to shake, have a bit of a laugh, move. So it helped to sort of regulate. And I think that's what often that challenge in facilitating where we're looking to sit with the hotspot, you know, be able to stay with the group. But part of that is also to support people to regulate, to feel Mm. some degree of okay with being uncomfortable, but also a way of, you know, releasing a little bit of tension to stay with the process well. So decision-making like that, I've definitely used that a few times, or just using energizers with a slight more embodiment focus. And when I say that, what do I mean? Like you can be walking around a space, but if you just put in a couple of, in open floor, we call them open awareness questions. Just a couple of questions of like just noticing your breath, you know, just noticing your feet on the ground um, or how's your posture right now? Do you feel like you're, you know, walking with a sense of confidence or, or, or a sense of shyness or, and just noticing in your body and maybe even supporting people to take a few little risks to, which is the key to a good collaborative decision-making process or conflict to be able to have a curiosity, a willingness to be surprised, to try something new. So to be able to play with different ways of taking risks, little risks can help us to feel more comfortable in the space. I think it's a great way of like releasing roles and feeling comfortable of being a little bit of a dork or... Or a child. A or child. playful or not just serious and not just, oh, this is so big and weighty. For sure. And, and being able to have some sense of, of mindfulness, you know, an awareness of what's here just helps us to get present, to kind of let go of all our thinking about what's outside of the room, but also our fears and things about this process to help us to show up to this conversation that I'm not thinking so much about what did I just say or what's Jim going to ask or what are people going to think when they're listening to it? It's just like, how can I, I'm here with my body with Jim. I'm curious, what's Jim going to say next? You know, it helps that sense of present awareness. We're listening to Jim speaking with Henry Folks, facilitator and movement practitioner.
Henry, a challenging moment, something that happened to you where you were a bit of a rabbit in the headlights, didn't quite know how to respond. Um, we just had a stage four lockdown, another recent five-day lockdown in Melbourne, and myself and my colleague organised a four-day dance retreat. The context is that we sort of set up on the Thursday night with a crew, the rest of the people were arriving on the Friday. And so everyone was arriving by one o'clock. And so we just had our final meeting announced to our crew. The retreats officially started, people arriving. And then as we went to have just our final prep meetings, we bumped into the site manager who looked pretty concerned and said, sorry guys, bad news, a uh, stage four lockdown has just been announced. So you can imagine as a facilitator, we've got a group of people arriving at this place in the middle of nature, far outside of Melbourne, and then we had to figure out what the heck are we going to do. The lockdown was beginning midnight that night. We were supposed to be there four days. People had carved out this, you imagine, like people with kids and who workaholics who have carved this out as a retreat to get away after the crazy year that we had last year. So yeah, that was um, a really challenging moment of then gathering the group and figuring out what are we going to do? <laughs> what can we do? When really the purpose of that first day is very much about building the group and building group safety. So yeah, that was a really challenging moment. And I think in my reflection, I could probably talk about that for the whole podcast. But in regards to what happened is it really reminded me as a facilitator of really slowing down and still going back to building the group, we slowed things down, we took some time, we got everyone to eat some dinner together, we started with a check-in and then we announced the news of the retreats being cancelled and and then together as a group we had to decide what are we going to do and we were already at this retreat centre and so without going into the details, it was an incredible facilitation moment or time of being able to do a group decision-making process with a big group to really hear each other. And and then at the end of that, which took many hours, which created an incredible group bonding. Once we'd made a decision of, of you know, what people were doing when they were leaving, how they felt, uh, then we had an epic two-hour dance. Obviously COVID safe, with all the COVID safe things we had to do. But it created an incredible ritual theatre for that, of coming to this group decision where we as facilitators felt really respected and the group really bonded through this unique opportunity to kind of confront the whole last year pandemic and to, to then dance it out for two hours was incredible. So it's like the energy that people were bringing to four days was spent in a couple of hours, yeah? Exactly. Yeah. And in some ways you could try and mimic that by doing reflective processes, but why not just have a lockdown announced and then you have to deal with your fears of another lockdown as well as digesting the year. So it was, it was huge, but really gave me a lot of faith in group process and the importance of slowing down and really for me, just grounding myself. That was the whole thing for me and my colleague of just, let's be open to possibilities here. Let's just be present. Let's be grounded as best as possible. Who's driving my bus? 
We throw light on why we regard self-awareness of our triggers and inner dialogue as a keystone of our work. An example that I can think of, of one of my key bears I grapple with is the inner critic. You know, that critical, judgmental voice of that I can grapple with in facilitation, feeling like, am I doing it right? Or just that I'm doing it wrong, or I don't know what I'm doing. Um, who am I to be saying this? Who am I to be having this role? So what happened is in a group, thinking about an online scenario, of a participant shared and noticed after they shared, I, I felt like I didn't validate them very well and another participant just shared and I, I noticed my critic really coming in telling me these things, that I didn't do it well, that I needed to do this better. And so for me in that scenario of Zoom where it's a really empty space because it's all silent, what I did was really to ground myself in my breath, to calm myself first of all, and to be really present with the person talking. And then after that, I slowed down enough to just gently go back to the other person to just check in with them. And that really created a lovely opportunity then for me not to just, or to see my critic as it had some useful information. It was helpful. But also I noticed within me just to hear from that other person, even though they actually did feel quite stirred by that situation, it was okay because it gave me an opportunity to to hear them and to repair because this is one of the things that happens with Zoom. It's hard to kind of really be with each person sometimes um, within the group context. So it sounds like you found the wise one and the wise one directed you, this person needs some attention now. Sure. And also within that process, I was able to regulate myself as a facilitator and to be able to be, yeah, in that more wise space, that more um, present, loving space. So it was a really good reminder for me that feedback and conversation is what supports me to be present and in my wise mind more than the silence of Zoom can really activate my critic. So the feedback really helps me. Facilitate This is produced for the Group Work Centre by interviewer and showrunner Jim Buckle, audio engineer Lloyd Richards, consulting producer Justine McSweeney, supervising producer Mark Spencer, and myself, Hala Abdelnour. We welcome your feedback via email at podcast at groupwork.com.au. For details on our courses and services, visit our website, groupwork.com.au.